back i didn't think i'd see you again i'm not a pessimist but i am a realist when it comes to these podcasts like this is episode two and here's the truth i'm not a celebrity i'm not a comedian i'm just a guy who makes videos and uh presumably he's talking to himself right now so i'm just glad there's anybody here and if that's you you can just give yourself a high five just clap wherever you are on the bus doing the dishes i don't know where do people listen to podcasts i guess they listen to them at the gym I used to do that all the time, um, listen to podcasts at the gym and go to the gym. used to do that too. Uh, yeah, I came across an article and I thought, I gotta talk about this. This is too crazy. This is too crazy not to talk about. So it's an old article, but someone reposted it and uh, it made me think about technology. Like, I know that that word is such a general word, like, I mean, the wheel is technically technology. Technically technology. So there's this guy, Ray, Ray Kurzweil, and uh, I've, heard, I've heard his name before. <laughs> That's why I'm taking this seriously. I don't know who he is. Does this article say? Oh, there's even a part. So who is Ray Kurzweil? Oh, I've rec- I recognize him. You can Google him. You'll probably recognize him, too. Has received 20 honorary doctorates, which that doesn't mean anything. It really doesn't. Honorary doctorates are a way for universities to get people to come and speak at their universities for free. It's just like, hey, you get an honorary doctorate if you come and you give a speech, make our university popular. I mean, some people earn them, sure, through like their life's work, but when you get up to 20, it's there's a law of diminishing returns when it comes to uh, honorary doctorates. Uh, has been awarded honors from three US presidents and has authored seven books, five of which have been national bestsellers. Okay, but what does he do? Okay, principal inventor of many technologies ranging from the first CCD flatbed scanner to the first print-to-screen reading machine for the blind. Oh, print-to-speech reading machine for the blind. Cool. Also the chancellor, co-founder of the Singularity University, and the guy tagged by Larry Page to uh, direct artificial intelligence development at Google. Oh boy. Okay, so this is right up what I was thinking about for talking about today. Anyway, anyway, so he's made a bunch of these predictions always about like technology, uh, and over the last 25 years, there's a bunch of them that he has gotten right that uh, other people may not have uh, thought about. So he said that uh, a, a computer would defeat a world chess champion by 1998. That happened in 1997. IMDb's Deep Blue defeated Gary Kasparov, and he was very upset about that, thought they were cheating. No, no, maybe they were at first, but they can do it today, even they're even better at it today. Their computer's now defeating people. There's this game called Go, which is like super complex, and no one thought a computer would be able to beat a person at it because of how quickly you have to think or something, and it did. Uh, he predicted PCs would be capable of answering queries by accessing information wirelessly via the internet in 2010. Uh, you younger folks, you'd be like, that sounds dumb, what do you mean? Well, he predicted this like a long time ago and he was right on the nose about it. Uh, we might take that all for granted now, but that's, in world history standards, that's insane. He 
predicted that by the early 2000s, exoskeletal limbs would be uh, would help the disabled walk, and that's totally what's going on. He predicted in 1999 that people uh, would be able to talk to their computers to give commands by 2009. And while still in the early days of 2009, natural language interfaces like Apple, Siri, Google Now uh, had come a long way. That's all, yeah, that's true. I mean, and to think that someone could predict something like that is uh, very impressive. I mean, I'm sure. I don't know. It's cool, isn't it? I mean, when, it's like uh, Notre Dame. But, like, I guess he's right in the tech world, so he can kind of, he can hint at what what there might be so he there's a bunch of stuff like this uh computer displays and eyeglasses he talked about um real-time language translation which is a real thing so it's just sort of like he could he was like at the front of the line he could see what was coming up before the rest of us it's not like he's supernatural but he has these other predictions now and with his uh know-how and with his connections at google and with all these sort of uh all these sorts of technologies. Look at me trying to sound smart. He uh, he has given us some really interesting things to think about. Um, okay, so here we go. Here are some of this author's favorite Ray predictions for the next 25 years plus. This is interesting. Uh, he, the guy says this is particularly interesting for businesses because that's what's making all the money from the technologies. No, duh. He says that by the late 2010s, so I guess that's now, in the next few years, glasses will beam images directly onto the retina. 10 terabytes of computing power, roughly the same of the human brain, will cost about $1,000. Oh my gosh. He's saying that you could wear these glasses. That, that we're getting into like black mirror territory. That's part of what I want to talk about as well. If you haven't seen that series on Netflix, it's all about like... What are the consequences of certain technologies to their furthest extent? Stuff we haven't even thought about, like the idea of giving people ratings based on how well they do their job every day. There's a whole Black Mirror episode about that and how if you have a higher score, you can live in a better neighborhood or get a better job. And if your score goes down, you can lose your job or lose where you live. Like Stuff we haven't thought about are like virtual reality, how that might affect things like the army or recording memories, how that will affect your relationships. and. Black Mirror does a great job of doing all that kind of stuff, but this is nuts. You, glasses will beam images directly onto your retina. Whee. Okay, let's keep going. By the 2020s, most diseases will go away. Go, I love how it's go away. It's not like it's cured. It's like the diseases are like, that's it. We're out of here. We've had enough of you guys. Most diseases will go away as nanobots become smarter than current medical technology. So the idea, I guess, is that you have these tiny robots that can go inside of you and your white blood cells can just take a vacation as these little robots just eat away at diseases. Now that's scary too, because what if then like, because something goes wrong, are your white blood cells, are they gonna be like, like me, like on the couch, getting on the bike for the first time, being exhausted and these diseases are just gonna run us over as soon as, you know, you unplug for a second? I don't know. I'm not a pessimist. I am. A, I feel like I'm a realist at times, and uh, I think about that when it comes to the idea that I can see the curve of history here, and uh, many, many times civilizations have reached. I mean, every civilization reaches a peak, and on the other side of that peak is a steep drop, 
like you had the Greeks which had all these brilliant ideas and they were developing all kinds of sciences and philosophies and ways of government and they were growing to a certain degree and then all that all you know the Roman Empire all this stuff but then you know certain stuff goes down and then you have the Dark Ages and then you have the Renaissance and like there's an ebb and flow to societies and we have to imagine that ours has the same ebbs and flows I mean the higher the peak the uh, the farther the drop so apparently diseases are going away normal human eating can be replaced by nanosystems now I'm totally on board for this I forget to eat all the time like what time it's three o'clock now I still haven't eaten today um, I now probably will get hungry now that I'm thinking about it but most days I just forget to eat I usually don't eat before even noon uh, almost ever um, so I'm totally on board for that. I would just go eat sushi for fun every so often. Or nanosystems. I guess it's just like robots will just bring you nutrition. You just like inject that. You eat a pill that has nanobots. That are, I don't know how this works. The Turing test begins to be passable. This is in the 2020s. So the Turing test is uh, a test that was developed by I think Alan Turing, I guess. The idea like, uh, uh, maybe it's not Alan Turing. I don't know. See again? I don't know. I don't know. Um, where you try to decide if a robot could someone determine whether they're speaking to a human or a robot based on the kinds of answers they're getting? If they're just asking them questions and not aware of what they're asking? Sorry, let me explain. <laughs> try that again. So I'm on one side of the wall and something's on the other side of the wall. I don't know if it's a robot or a person, but I start asking them questions and based on their responses, can I determine? whether that's a person or a robot. That's the Turing test. So he's saying that that's gonna to start to be passable. Self-driving cars begin to take over the roads and people won't be allowed to drive on highways. Now, I'm totally for this. There are some people like, no man, like I want my freedom. You still have your freedom. Just most people will choose to not bother buying a car, renting a car, like having to deal with insurance, all that stuff. That's not gonna be an issue. They'll just be like almost transit authority systems that you can just, you know, type in your location and some car will swing by and you just, you know, it's like an Uber, but it'll just be an automatic car kind of thing. And those will be everywhere. And the cars will be driving themselves, will be able to communicate with each other. Uh, and so there won't be as many car crashes. I'm sure there'll still be accidents, like you can't control for every variable. But when you consider how many people die every year just from careless driving, this is gonna be a miracle kind of solution. He's saying it's gonna be 2020s. By the 2030s, virtual reality will begin to feel 100% real and we will be able to upload our mind or consciousness by the end of the decade. Oh my gosh. By the 2040s, non-biological intelligence will be a billion times. Where do you get, a where do you get the number billion? Will be a billion times more capable than biological intelligence. Then he uses a word, I don't even know what that is. Nanotech Foglets, F-O-G-L-E-T-S, not even gonna look it up. We'll be able to make food out of thin air and create any physical object in the world at a whim. Oy. By 2045, we will multiply our intelligence a billion fold by linking wirelessly from our neocortex to a synthetic neocortex in the cloud. Oh, okay. Are we supposed to talk about this now? So, okay, like, 
I'm sure the, the the basic instinct. I gotta sit up now. I gotta sit up on my couch now. Okay, so like the basic instinct for most people, like when I've talked about this with my wife, Tamsin, she freaks out and she's, uh, it makes her super uncomfortable to think about these things. Uh, and she's like, let's talk about ancient history. I don't want to talk about even the not so distant future because it does make people feel uncomfortable. Like we are changing as a, a society faster than has ever been done in the history, in the history, ever. Nothing has ever changed so quick. This is... This is a huge shift when it comes to thinking about technology, the internet, these things. But so you hear those predictions and I think they would freak most people out. But I think we also are forgetting uh, that so much of this technology will be a choice. We'll be able to choose whether or not we want to jump into this kind of stuff. Now, if you don't choose, you might fall behind in certain regards. I think people will still like handmade stuff. I think people will still like to have someone make their sushi or paint their pictures or make their movies or write their books. I just think people, like, I think a lot of this sort of automation and this sort of technology, good, like, factory-type jobs and things like that, and then people talk about, well, like, we need factory jobs, but then you have people like Elon Musk, who is the guy who runs uh, Tesla and SpaceX and this brilliant guy. He's saying that this level of automation, particularly with self-driving cars, because that's the biggest employer in North America, are driving-type jobs, whether it's taxis or trucks or trains or planes or ships, that automation of those jobs is going to force a universal income, which is a, an idea that's getting more and more traction these days, that this idea that they will be able to create such prosperity from automation that everyone will get a base check every month that will take care of all their needs and then anything after that you can just you just have to figure out a way to make more of that money you know whether it's a create you know a job with technology or in creativity or all kinds of things or just whatever it is that you want to pursue you can finally drop your job at old navy or mcdonald's or at that factory or whatever driving uber and you can pursue what you want to do and i think in a society where that's possible i think it'll be a better society will the rich get richer sure but you won't have this red line bottoms you know feeder type situation where people are just stuck there you know in poverty, unable to do anything for themselves sort of level. I think you will now, that the ceiling will get higher, but I think the floor is also going to get a little higher, whereas people won't be shoved in the dirt as deep. Of course there will be people who are still going to be stuck, and there are people who are going to sit on their hands and say, ah, I get this check in the mail, and now I can fulfill my dream of watching every single thing on Netflix. And I get that, you know, you want to see all the memes, but I think those people, there. I like I think about this all the time. There's this great story about, uh, I think it's Patton, or General, a great, I think it's an older story than General Patton, World War II, but there's a story that this general gets to heaven and asks, who was the greatest general who ever lived? And he gets taken over to this, uh, this shoemaker. What are they called? What's someone who makes shoes? Cobbler? Yes, to a, this cobbler, and is and is pretty much told this is the guy, and this general in heaven is confused, and he says, "I don't understand." I said, "You know, general, did you misunderstand?" He goes, "No, this man would have been the greatest general who ever lived, had he not been a cobbler," and I think that sort of sentiment can apply to so many things. Like I've talked about it with people when it comes to sports, like women's sports, people, you know, 
give it such a hard time like well women like even in tennis they say even the best women tennis players like the the, the um the williams sisters and all that stuff they don't even come close to the best men tennis players and some of that can just be that like on average men have more upper body strengths uh so that can give an advantage somehow i don't know what do i know about tennis but I think a big part of that when it comes to anything, athletics, business, creativity, is because the opportunities for women have not been as regularly available across time. Men have had the ability to train, prepare, even stuff like putting it in kids' heads that they can be the greatest pole vaulter of all time or the greatest, you know, whatever of all time, I don't think is put into the minds of women as much. So I think we're going to start seeing things like women are just not going to have babies, you know? They're not going to want to have babies because they'll want to pursue their kind of their own opportunities. And I think a lot of women who do have babies are are uh, are just kind of they can I'm sure there's a feeling of some women they feel stuck. Right? What am I talking about? What I'm saying is this sort of level of technology that is almost inevitable is going to free a lot of people up and is going to change people's lives. So when I'm looking at these sorts of like uh, possibilities, I see a lot of positive things. Like even right now, I had a rant. I like ranted, it was like a sermon to, to Luke and to Tamsin one day when Luke brought up, I can't remember what comedian, what, it might have been Bill Maher, uh, was saying how like there's this culture of looking down, you know, people wanting to always be looking at their phones. And I get that, I think about that now every time I'm in the elevator because we're, we're like on a high up floor so there's so many times when the, you know, the elevator stops and I don't want to look the person in the eye who's getting on at the whatever next floor. So I, every time it says the next floor I look down on my phone and I get that and they say that more pedestrians are being hit because pedestrians are looking at their phone and drivers are looking at their phone that everyone's looking down and sort of like oh this culture we got to you know wake up and look around and, and I kind of I went on this rant where I was like well the reason why people will look up and look around to appreciate what's going on is because they will begin to understand things more there is more information and education available to every individual on the available uh, to every individual who can get to a computer or on the internet there is more of that available right now than has ever been through the history of the world we are access and privy to more genuine good information than almost every genius in history before us and it's not that the information makes you a genius but it certainly can help we can be educated you can learn any language immediately and i don't mean like it'll download it into your brain i mean at any moment if you're like i want to learn italian you used to have to go to italy or know someone who knew italian you if you know you wanted to learn Japanese, you had to go to Japan or find a Japanese person who will teach you. But now you can do that at any time online for free. Okay? Any mathematics you want to learn, any science you want to learn, any literature stuff you want to understand, if you want to study film or dance or all these things, they are all available immediately right now. From YouTube to iTunes University to podcasts to the Khan Academy. If you don't know what that is, it's this great thing that you can pretty much anyone could earn, uh, like could just practically learn anything that's available to be learned up to grade 12 and then in certain things beyond that. So you can learn mathematics in the way they have it set up. It's a great app. I just downloaded it. Check it out. It's super cool. So when people say like, you know, they're all turned off by technology, I say like, well, if you open your mind and you stop watching cat videos 
and all this kind of, you know, TV shows that are not that great or movies that are, who am I to talk, uh, or play video games or waste your life on those kinds of things. If you could dedicate this incredible, your time to this incredible resource that's sitting right now on, like, on my knee, I'm looking down at my phone and imagining if you could see through this and physically see the amount of information available. They, if, you know, there's a library here in Toronto, I mean, there's a bunch, but one in particular, um, can't, why can't I remember what it's called? See, I woke up with a headache today, and I'm just thinking, like, who was I yelling at in my dreams? But I think it's this weather. Got so many shifts, it's messing with my head. Uh, reference library, the reference library, and it is huge. You step in, and there's just, I think, five floors that you can walk into this little atrium, and it's just five floors up of just books and books and books. And to understand that the amount of information that's available to you immediately on your smartphone is way more than what is in that library. I mean, it's not all great or categorized, but I'm just saying it's available to you immediately. Like, the whole university system doesn't make sense anymore when you consider that. Like, I can get that certain jobs, they want to see that you practically studied somewhere, they want to see that you have, you know, there's that ability, but I think as soon as people start waking up to this reality, it's going to change job markets as people are not going to go knocking on company doors to get this sort of thing, uh, you know, get a job or try and appeal to them for this. They're just going to do what like people like me do. Just make your own job. Just create it. Uh, I say it like it's such a simple or easy thing. It's not. It's for certain types of people. But now those types of people will have opportunities to learn and do those kinds of things like never before in history. I mean... We don't really get that, I think, especially my generation. Look through history, study history, and realize that for most of history, you would wake up every day and essentially be forced by both society and by your own understanding of society to do the same thing every day until you died. Whether that was working in a factory around the turn of the century or being a farmer way back in the day or a fisherman, you would do that every day until you died, and that was it. Just let that sink in. That now today, we have opportunities like never before in history, and it's all thanks to this technology. So when people get all freaked out, I get it. I've had moments where it freaks me out too. But pause and consider the, po the positive possibilities. And there's some conspiracy theories. This is how the government controls us. That's my Alex Jones. The globalists. <laughs> it's over for the globalists. Uh, but so, like, I get it. I get why you freak out. But pause and take account of what is right in front of you at this exact moment. It's incredible. Like, even for me, I think about, like, I want to make movies. And uh, whenever I, I see interviews from people, like some of my favorite directors, like David Finch or Steven Spielberg, Christopher Nolan, and my favorite, Martin Scorsese, what I've seen them all say universally is just go and make a movie. You can make a movie on your iPhone. Why aren't you doing that? Just go and make a movie. Like even just a generation ago, you had to go to a school to get access to the equipment or you had to have a huge amount of money to buy the proper equipment and you needed to all Nowadays, people are just making stuff. And I think that's, that's admirable, but it's also just, it's like a sign of a person's particular drive. 
but if they didn't have access to those things, they wouldn't be able to accomplish it. There's this great story of uh, this guy who set up a computer in a little rural village in India. Uh, he just sort of set it up and uh, the computer would teach you it, like advanced uh, biochemistry or something like that, like biology, or, and it would just teach you that, the computer would. And uh, at first people thought he was stupid, like come on, these poor village kids are not going to be able to figure out how to use the computer, let alone. And it was amazing. I, I can't remember what it was on a podcast I listened to, but you can look up the story. Uh, just search, you know, like Indian village computer learning. And he couldn't believe these kids. He showed up and the kids were like, we're a little confused. Can you help us out? And he goes, okay, like this is the mouse and this is how it works. He goes, no, we don't understand the process of how the cell, blah, 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 blah. And they just spew out all of this information uh, in this like complex scientific language that he wouldn't even have expected them to understand. Not only did they know how to use the computer almost intuitively and very quickly, they also were taught this advanced stuff and all they had were questions about the content. That's amazing. When back in the day you had to learn Latin to study the Bible so that you could, and now the entire world is at your fingertips. Unbelievable. Please, people, take advantage of this stuff. I mean, I'm talking to myself too. I waste so much time. I gotta, you know, do more kinds of stuff. I wanna learn a language. Like, yeah, like I've, I have uh, been doing this video and this client's been talking about how there are these parents raising their kids and uh, they're not even necessarily Chinese parents, but they want their kids to learn Mandarin because that's going to be like the biggest language in the world with the way that China is, is blowing up with their population and with their business. Kids are learning Mandarin? So they can get, like, that's crazy. I should, you know, I should be learning this kind of stuff. Oh. But so, okay, here we go. So that's technology. But then there are some, you know, I think a lot of it does have to do with the kind of person some people are and how they're raised. You know, some people are not going to embrace this technology the same way. It's just going to be another way for them to just sit on their hands and not do anything, and I get that. Um, I can think of people right off the top of my head that I know that they can't appreciate for a second the smartphone they have in front of them beyond you know, the Instagram pictures they can look at and the Angry Birds and, wow, dated, dated reference. Does anyone play Angry Birds anymore? I don't know what the new game is, but they can't look past their phones as something like that or it's a text thing or they're taking selfies and Snapchat and, and those are all fun, but that cannot be it. That cannot be the end. But some people, they're going to think that way. So when you have things like, one of my favorite things to talk about other than AI, but I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do a whole episode of this podcast just about AI, but I won't hit that yet. But just about virtual reality. The first time that I put on a pair of virtual reality goggles and was dropped into this like ocean simulator, it was at like two in the morning. I was exhausted and I was screaming out of my mind how real it felt. You can tell the graphics are not this, you know, whatever, but the sensation is so real. So I think about like Inception in that in that uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's character is explaining to Ellen Page's character like what's most important is the feel, and that's true. 
if you get this feeling like when you look around, you physically feel your, the space adapting around you, or when you feel like you're lighting a cigar in front of you, and when you breathe out in the real world, it breathes out smoke in this artificial world, even if it doesn't look exactly like real life, it feels like it. It's like a dream and it's happening right in front of you. So this sort of virtual reality technology, I've talked with Tamsin about this, it's gonna get to this point where it's gonna feel so real that people won't want to leave. And if we got nanobots, you know, taking care of our diseases and, and our nutrition, and I'm assuming also taking care of our waste products that you don't need to get up to use the bathroom or whatever, and you'll be able to experience life on a different plane of existence, what will feel like a heightened reality, and it will feel 100% real, and you can go to, you know, Pandora and live with the avatars, or you can, you know, you know, live a sort of this fantasy life you've always wanted to do. How will we be able to convince people to not participate in that? How? How are you gonna be able to say to someone, no, that's not as good as real life, and they're gonna say, there's, you know, people being murdered in real life. In this world, I'm a god. And I can bring into existence whatever I want, whenever I want, however I want. How will you be able to convince someone not to do that? Seriously, when you can't even get people out of Minecraft and they've created these complex architectural structures in that video game, and you can't tell them to go make that in the real world. They'd rather do it in Minecraft because that's where they learned how to do all this stuff. How do you get them from yeah, that A to that B? And I think a lot of it has to do with the kind of person and the way certain people are raised, I'm sure. But for some of those people, it's kind of like, you know what? Okay, you can just do that. You can continue to just build your stuff in Minecraft. But, the poss but some people think that that's the reason to not embrace that technology, and I don't think that's good enough. You know, I think when you consider, like for instance, something, I don't know if it's out there already, but what I want is I want a virtual reality app that lets me explore the entire world. Like if you go onto Google Maps right now, you can like zoom down, not just street view, but it creates like a 3D model. It renders a 3D model of whatever city. I want that on a new level of detail where I can go and explore any place on the planet right now. Like I could virtual, virtually climb Everest and explore these things and not just for the fun of it, but for the education of it. For like, and I would want it to work like this, that I could explore this world and I could see a restaurant and I could go, What's the name of that restaurant? What kind of stuff do they serve? Show me some reviews, you know? Or I could, I could, in the virtual reality thing, I could walk into that restaurant and I could click a button and I could phone that restaurant, I could call that restaurant and talk to someone who's in that restaurant in real time, in real life, and say like, is it busy? What time is it busy? You know what, okay. And I could say, you know, like computer or Siri or whoever, um, make a note that when I visit France, I wanna go to this restaurant. And you could plan a whole vacation like that. Okay, so just for that would just be for something like that. Then for educational purposes, you could go to a historical site and you could click on a, you know a cave painting and it would tell you everything there is to know about. I, I say click. I mean I'm motioning with my hand. Like you could say, hey, like what's this cave painting? Do we know who painted it? How long ago? What they used it for? And what's this about? And what does this teach us about humanity? And you could it would like you could take this sort of worldwide amount of information and put it into an app like that where you could you could explore the world I think people are more important to you know like that's what I think is most important about real-world experience like getting out of that Google 
glass or getting out of that virtual reality oculus rift kind of world is so that you can experience people but as far as education i think this is an invaluable sort of resource uh and then I wanted to be able to that I could also fly in that thing. I could fly anywhere I wanted to because that would just be cool. <laughs> but so I last thing is I would want then at, if I've explored this world and I could go to a forest and ask what kind of plant, what kind of animal, what kind of this, or what kind of ecosystem. I could go to the bottoms of the ocean that has been explored and I could look at the different kinds of fish and what kind of fish is this and that. And, and then I could then I would want to be able to get to a point where even if I've climbed the highest mountains or explored all these caves that I could then look up at the stars and I could say what is that star and it would say you want to go there and I could fly to that star and I could explore the cosmos my older brother used to tell me he would have dreams like that and I would think that if you could create that into a virtual reality kind of world the kind of educational experience like for instance uh, there are some experimental types of schools already in the world where there are no classes your teacher just takes your class and you go to the museum, let's say, and at the museum you learn about history, you learn about biology, you learn about architecture, mathematics, based on just the place you are. You're, you know, in a, in a park, you learn about, um, you learn about design and, you know, how is this park designed? You learn about, uh, you know, trees and, you know, like ecosystems. You, and then you could learn about teamwork. If you do something, you know, play games, you could learn about, you know what I mean? Uh, and that would be like the ultimate type of thing like that. You would plug someone into that and for three hours a day you'd say, just go and learn. Okay, take this to the next thing. They already are doing this with Oculus where you can travel to a virtual movie theater and they're getting better and better at creating this sense of distance, right? And we're to the point where it's not straining your eyes anymore. Imagine, you could go and watch any movie in the world wherever it is in this place where it would be like a virtual thing where you could go and you'd be sitting in that movie theater looking up at what appear to be like a gigantic screen and with the you know technology of headphones and things like that getting better and better you would have this excuse me you would have this sense of the size and the scope and the sound would be super complex and then after that movie you could ask, what was the director? Are there any interviews about him saying this? And then that interview would go up on that big screen. Or then you could like look next to you and say, who else is watching this movie right now? And you would see 10 or 12 other people who are watching that exact same movie. And then you could invite them to discuss that movie afterwards in this virtual reality. Okay, that's just movies. Now take that to concerts, stand-up comedy. Uh, take that to university lectures. Take that to, you know what, I, are you seeing this with me? Are you imagining this, this thing with me? It wouldn't be a replacement for the world. It would be an opportunity to explore it in a way that we never have been able to before. <sighs> Technology. Now, is it gonna break out into AI? It's gonna be the Matrix, Skynet's gonna come online and all this. I can't say all that stuff, but even with the kind of technology I'm seeing around me today, if I can imagine that kind of stuff, I want you to be imagining that kind of stuff too. I don't want us getting bogged down with the pessimism. Yes, be a realist. I've heard people say that, you know, AI is summoning the demon. They've talked about it in terms like that, that it'll be the end of humanity. I personally think that it's gonna be more like we're gonna be coming alongside something special. And I'll take a quote, I think it's a Steve Jobs quote. It's in the movie Steve Jobs by Danny Boyle with Michael Fassbender playing Steve Jobs. There's a scene where when Apple is first getting started, 
he's sitting down with uh, the CEO of Pepsi trying to convince him to come over and be the CEO of Apple. And he says, the most efficient animal is the condor. Like the way that it flies or whatever, the way it uses his energy, it's the most efficient animal. The least efficient animal is a human being. Now whether you agree, people or animals, I don't care. He says that in nature, we're the most inefficient animal. But give a human a bicycle and they become the most efficient animal. And then he says the computer will be a bicycle for the mind. Imagine having your favorite professor with you all the time, every day. And with that, I implore you, go and consider the possible. Just with what's around you, think about what, it, what you're capable of. Stop wasting your time and start making use of it. This, that phone that you're listening to this on or that screen that you're listening to this, take a second and consider that through that screen is more than the libraries of history ever contained. And just eat it up. And whatever you digest on the other end, whatever you're able to create, Share it with people. Yes, that sounded like a poop metaphor. But that's okay. What I, you get what I'm saying? Okay, thank you. All right, people, have a great week. Email me your thoughts and ideas. Message me on Facebook or Instagram at MotherFantasticPodcast. You can email me at MotherFantasticPodcast at gmail.com. Folks, go and make something awesome. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really have like a sign off yet. It just kind of trails, trails off. I would love to have that virtual reality app where I can explore the world and have all the information available to me of the internet just right there in front of me. Just like how cool it would be to catalog stuff in that way. Like you would be in one place and it would say, you know, you would get like a little like tap on your shoulder, like, uh, you know, like Na uh, Navi from uh, uh, Zelda would be like, hey, listen, hey. And you could like, you know, touch it and it would say, if you like this, you're going to love this. And, you know, you like one type of architecture, it'll fly you over to this other type of architecture. You'll end up in Dubai. You can climb up on a giant, you know, building and look down like Tom Cruise with Mission Impossible and like get a sense of the scale. And you could just fly around and, and yeah, people are going to use it for sex for sure. But I didn't have to tell you that. You already thought about it. <sighs> wow. That's how I would want to learn. I would pay what I have paid to go to university to have access to something like that. All right, folks. <sighs> that was tiring, but exciting. Okay, what am I doing? All right, get out of here. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>